You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. So happy to have you here for this episode. I hope you're having a fantastic week. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to introduce this week's episode because I got to sit down with a friend of mine who I've just watched her evolve so much over the last few years and I've gotten to know her better and better, not just because of her work, but her as a person. So I'm really excited for you guys to get to know her and her insight, her experiences and all the wisdom that's come along with it because this woman is just absolute fire and I'm really honored that she took the time to sit down with me for this for this episode. So uh, this this week's featured guest is Miss Tracy Lee. She is the person who is overseeing, she was the digital editorial manager of NBC Asian America. She recently stepped down um, just a couple months ago. And so I think it's been a really important time for her transitioning out of one segment of her career and figuring out the next and dealing with a lot of different things along the way, you know, so many different things that have been a recurring theme in in this podcast over the many, many weeks of our discussions on anxiety and imposter syndrome, and not not just the negative, but also the positive of how to define what it is that you want to do and figuring out how you want to leave your stamp on the world and how important time is and how we how we figure those things out and prioritize and things like that. So it's a mix of everything because life is a complete mixed bag of bad and good, <laughs> positive and negative, uh, empowering and stressful, all of the above. And Tracy's definitely been through a lot and she's just such an open book and has so much wisdom to share. So not only do we go into the process of transitioning, you know, in career uh, out of one phase into the next, which I think all of us are transitioning into something out of something pretty much at all times of our lives, um, but also the power of networking and kind of removing the stigma and all the weirdness around it because uh, both she and I work in you know, entertainment in media, and it's a really key part of our lives. I think it's a key part of everybody's lives personally. And uh, networking can be a good thing. It can be a non-terrible thing. Let's put it that way. Uh, people hear that word and they just kind of want to run for the hills. It makes them want to yak. It makes them want to just, it feels inauthentic. But there's a way that Tracy and I have figured out um, little tips and tricks and tools to figure out how to how to do it and not feel like we're being fake or you know taking advantage of somebody. It's an awkward thing, but you know what I mean? It's it's an important part of life. It's an important part of work and connecting with others. And there's a way to do it where you don't feel terrible. So hopefully we can share some of these thoughts with you that give you some tools and give you some you know encouragement. We're here to back you and to be your big sister. So in any case, or your little sisters, whatever, um, just be there for you and give you a boost if this at all applies to you or will be applying to you in the near future. It's a lot to take in, but we're, we got your back. Hope you enjoy this episode. Without further ado, here is my episode with Miss Tracy Lee. Enjoy. Tracy 
Sunday here in Los Angeles. Um, how's it going? It's going. It's going. I don't know how to answer that question. Sometimes. Yeah, I know. That's a very con- <laughs> it's a very people like you and me, mm-hmm. we don't take that question lightly. Because if I go into it and say like things aren't going well, then people are like, oh no, what's wrong? <laughs> it's like, no, it's just that I'm not I'm not particularly at a high right now, I'm not at a low. I'm just like content. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what is your go-to answer been lately? Um, I'm just like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. And, and I feel that. like that doesn't invite that many questions. Good. Not that I don't want people to ask me questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm having like an identity crisis right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, segue right into the yeah. podcast. I mean, what better time to talk about identity crisis? I feel like kind of a lot of people are yeah. in their crises. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been having a lot of like introspective talks with people? I have been, and I think it comes with having left. I didn't leave journalism. Like yeah. I think I constantly have to. I say people I was a former journalist, but that's not true because I'm still doing. Because you still are. I left NBC after almost eight years there, yeah. and like when you're when that becomes your identity for eight years, and not even just that, but it's like for the past few years, like you are NBC Asian yeah, America. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. That's that's it. That is how honestly I have you branded in my mind. Yeah. There's like a little peacock. Of- yeah. <laughs> That's over your name. just And your name is in that font, just letting you know. Yeah, I mean, most people do. And it's one of those things where I'm like, it's very flattering, because yeah, it's yeah. like, but also at the same time, I constantly will tell people like, well, NBC Asian America is made up of dozens and dozens of freelancers. I was just the one that like signed the paychecks, you know? Yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. But, but leaving that, and when your identity is like NBC Asian America, people yeah. still introduce me as like, she used to be NBC Asian America. Oh, and then that makes me feel like, oh, but what am I? What am I? Because then people say, "What are you doing now?" And I'm like, "That is 100 percent you and I are in the same boat." I still like uh, that is a, the the name that I go to is like oh I used to, and it's been over a year since I stepped out of collaboration, but I I've attached myself to like that's a huge part of who I am, who yeah. I was, and do you feel okay? We can be totally honest and like I'm <laughs> I'm going there, Tracy. Okay, because we we have that bond. Yes, um, but do you think that it's given you a certain level of like? Like gravitas to who you are, because like when you have an association to a name, I mean, I'm I'm just letting you know because if I was working for NBC for eight years, hell yeah, I would like it'd be like a decade later, be like I used to run Asian, yeah. NBC Asian America. It's a big name to like yeah. to be attached to. You know, honestly, it's yes. When I think now that I'm not there and yeah. I can step back and like this is a bit of an ego thing, and I will completely admit to it. Yeah. Sometimes people like people want to be humble about it. Like, I will straight up say, this gives me an ego boost. Yeah. And I don't necessarily feel bad about it. But I've had a lot of people say to me, like, if it hadn't been for NBC Asian America, I wouldn't have gotten my first byline. Or, like, I, you know, felt like I could do this because I saw this video project or whatever. And I am proud that I'm, like, behind that. I do feel arrogant when I say that. And then I have to remember, like, no, but you did those things. Like, that is factually what I did. I started this thing that people were able to thrive on, which I think is cool. Yeah. Um, And I don't, like, always... I say this, saying this on a podcast to, like, hundreds of people, I'm sure. (laughs) But at the same time, I feel like I get a lot of pride in saying that now. Mm -hmm. When I was in it, I didn't. And I think it's because when you're inside of a machine like NBC, like, it's a big company. For sure. It's tons and tons of people all over the world who are doing amazing things. You feel like the tiniest fish in oh, that yeah. pond. But then when you step out of it and you do look at, like, the impact of what you've done, then I think now I can look back and say, like, I was really proud of that. But in the last, what, I was running NBC Asian America for four years or yeah. five years, Yeah, I would say I, more often than not, I felt like, well, this doesn't matter. Yeah. Which is... 
weird to admit because I think from the outside and now that I'm on the outside, it's like, no, but that was a really amazing thing and I'm so proud of it. But at the time it was like, all you saw were the problems in yep. the immediate and the yeah. problems were very little to do with the community. It had to do with like the, the machine, yeah, the structure of it. And that's something you're never going to, you know, win in, in the day to day. For sure. Cause there's not, there's only so much that you can do to alter like the complete infrastructure of a standing network yeah. that's been around for a gazillion years. By the way, I said yeah while you were talking. I didn't mean yeah to affirm like it didn't matter. I meant yeah like I understand. Just yeah. to clarify. Because those I listened to some of my old podcasts and I was like, why do I sound like I'm agreeing with all of like their traumas? Like I was just like <laughs> trying to be supportive, but I sound like yeah, it was really bad. Like or you were terrible. <laughs> but you feel the same way at having been at collaboration where you've got so many events going on, so many things you're working on that mm-hmm. it's really hard because you feel like you're wasting your time when you when you are in the middle of something and then you sit back and you're like oh I'm really proud of what we're doing right now everyone's like we don't have time for you to be proud of what you're doing keep right going now. yeah keep just, going. just make stuff happen it's a very it's a very weird thing to I it's really funny that you're vocalizing what you did because I feel like you hit the nail on the head of feeling like you're so caught up in it when you're in it and then it doesn't really allow space to be like hey I'm really like really happy with what I've done and you know patting yourself on the back a little bit because a you're like you're just thinking of the next thing and b because you look at you're surrounded by a lot of different moving parts and you're just like well I'm not as significant or as big a deal as that person I'm not as famous as that person and that's particular you know and I imagine that happens again I, I speak largely a lot of like entertainment people those are a lot of people in my circle yeah. and on this podcast but you know I have like you know my civilian friends who are who are you know my little brother's in the military and mm-hmm. my my brother's a, other brother's a lawyer and my parents run a dry cleaners you know there's always that feeling of like somebody or somebody something else is bigger than i am yeah. whatever i'm doing has its limited significance or little significance and everything else is just bigger better more efficient you know they know what they're doing and i'm just kind of floating here with my arms in the air yeah there's that feeling i i feel like it's just mad imposter syndrome i feel like it's a hundred percent imposter syndrome and it's like i feel bad about feeling bad about it sometimes Mm -hmm. because other people i don't want people to think i'm not grateful yeah because it's like i constantly will say i am so grateful for we were not able to grow the way we did at NBC Asian America if it was not for contributions and support from the community. And mm-hmm. I like, fully recognize that. But then I would go home at the end of the day and feel bad about, like, really dumb things. Like, this is not, like, I don't think I'm blowing something up here by saying that in digital journalism, clicks are a big part of why you're considered successful. No If way. you don't have, I know, like, yeah. shock, right? Yeah. Like. If you don't have, and we would sit through these like meetings where it'd be like, well, this month you got X number of visitors, but this section got this many visitors. Right. And like, even if your number was great, I would leave that meeting feeling bad because we're never going to have as many clicks as the politics section, you know, like right, we're just right, not, right. that's just the nature of it. But it was still like, well, then what we did didn't matter. And I'd feel bad about it. And then that would sort of spiral into other things because your work, at least what we did, our work was so tied to who we are as people. Yeah. That then you just leave work feeling like, well, I failed as a person. I underperformed. Exactly. I did, we didn't have value. And that's what I think is kind of part and parcel of this particular culture that we're living in. This particular moment in time where everything is really quantifiable mm-hmm. and gets very granular on that level because the numbers, you know, it's a, you know, I, like, I love that I can talk to you about this because 
I have been around influencers, mm-hmm. you know, for, oh God, the word is like influencer word. Right? And, and we're, we're equating influence to numbers. Yes. How many people watched your thing and paid attention to you? And on one side, I completely get it because you're like, wow, you made something and like two million people decided, or not people, but like a huge number of people wa- decided to watch this thing two million times. Yeah. Um, it was either highly entertaining, really well written, well acted, whatever, or just really informative. I don't know. The format, something about this thing, this video, this song made a, a, a big splash, mm-hmm. right? But then, like, in hindsight, you can say, like, okay, well, like, a hundred people watched this, but who knows? Maybe in that hundred people was, like, President Obama. Like, how do you know that that didn't make an impact and, like, really alter the, you know— History for I don't we don't know and but like we're equating so much to numbers you know what I mean we're a very numbers driven society generation culture it's kind of like you know you and I are around influencers and so it's like oh well like I have one hundred fifty thousand followers it's whatever it's not that big a deal I'm like bro do you understand that's like how many people that is how many stadiums of of human bodies makes one hundred fifty thousand people. But, you know, and then people use that as some, like, measuring stick of, like, well, I didn't do anything. I didn't, it's only just, you know, it's only 500,000 views. Like, whatever. (laughs) I'm, like, and that's the world that, you know, you and I have been circulating in. But not only that, like, I remember back in 2015, 2016, when we were launching, I say we, knowing full well, NBC Asian America was me and one other person. Like, we were two people. We had... First of all, let's make it clear. (laughs) It was just two of us. (laughs) Um, And this is a direct result of of many things that also include, like, a lack of funding, right? So... We were trying to launch um, a video channel without calling it a YouTube channel because I was like, every, we're not launching a YouTube channel in 2015. We've already launched. Everyone's launched a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. What we were looking for were creators who were Asian American yeah. um, and who could tell Asian American stories. Mm-hmm. And so we were looking through YouTube channels. We were looking through filmmakers, journalists, people who were doing kind of documentary work because we wanted to just experiment. I felt like we were, and I say we as an NBC News was, behind on the, like, digital video game. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to do, like, long-form stuff. And this was actually largely inspired because in 2013, I had seen Dan Matthews, a.k.a. Dan, documentary. Damn. And I thought that was so cool, just, like, how it was told, because you weren't really seeing episodic documentaries on YouTube, really, at the time. Yeah, it was all pranks and challenges, especially during that time period. Right. So I remember seeing that in 2013 and being like, this is the coolest thing ever, right? And I wanted to do something very similar for NBC Asian America. Mm-hmm. And it was like giving Asian American filmmakers and storytellers the power, right? So I was looking through a lot of creators, people that we wanted to, and I reached out to like a lot of people. A lot of people didn't respond. So if you're listening to this and you were one of those people, you know who you are. <laughs> but I was reaching out to almost like anyone I could find. And I would always have these folks inside of NBC, not necessarily my direct like supervisors or anything, but being like, what about this big YouTuber? What about this person who has 3 million followers on blah, blah, blah? And, like, we looked at those people, and, you know, also at the same time, I would find people who had 2,000 subscribers, but they were making something super interesting. They just needed, like, that extra boost or something. Right, right. So we were reaching out to people across sort of the spectrum. There wasn't, like, oh, we're no, no one yeah. under 10K. <laughs> like, and I didn't, because I didn't, I, I knew people who were setting those kinds of, like, well, once I get to X amount of subscribers, then, then I can make this thing I really want to make, and... So much of it is money-based, and we partnered with a handful of creators in that first year that 
you know, like I said, across the spectrum of how many followers they had. And I felt the content, it might not have been consistently great across the board because we were just trying pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. But like, that's how you start doing something. And I think that those videos really boosted NBC Asian America into what it became. Yeah. And I'm really proud of that because I didn't just rely on people who had 8 million subscribers or whatever. For sure. um, Or who had the quote unquote big name. Like people are always talking about like the big name. Like you aren't anything until you are the next this person, like, you're the next Randall Park, you're the next Aquafina, and it's like, well, all those folks also started somewhere, too, and it's just like... Uh, yeah, yeah. well, those two people, <laughs> sidebar, started, well, one of their stepping stones was collaboration. <laughs> exactly. and, that's, and that's a funny thing, I think, in terms of you and I, like, you worked in the journalism world, mm-hmm. and I worked in, like, the community organizing world, but it was, like, essentially, it's just a talent show, you know, yeah. and the the basic premise is, you need to find quality artists, they're gonna be in, in out in the middle of middle America, like, they're not all in LA and New York and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their beginning, and there's so many different types of stories and that's what I think you and I in that way we're very much alike yeah. in terms of finding the hidden gems and like they're not going to have 100,000 subscribers they're not going to have 100,000 views mm-hmm. they're making things in their bedrooms and you know coming up with things on their phones and in their notebooks and trying to just make it a reality and they do need that extra boost so I, I'm very much about the underdog I'm very yeah. much about like nurturing the next like generation of talent even not even generation in terms of age but just like that next wave yeah because there are people that are kind of like they've kind of hit their stride they got their following they're doing their thing but then there's others that are really just trying to refine and polish what it is that they want to say and they need somebody to discover them perhaps or give them that boost so i just feel that kindred spirit with you chasey because it is it can be a completely thankless job yeah um and that's the funny thing in terms of like what we're using nowadays to define whether we've been successful in something or not yeah i mean it's the same difference between like the articles we wrote about the importance of disaggregated data that is never going to get as many clicks as like the article we wrote about crazier agents right Right. and that's just the nature of a headline of do you wheedle it in there somewhere like do you put (laughs) a line in the crazy rich agents article about disaggregated disaggregated data data. just just FYI I'm going to leave that by (laughs) always link to it and be like actually a percentage of Asian yeah I mean those conversations are hard to have because I feel like um, they are more nuanced and you know it's it's a clickbait game sometimes at the end of the day it's how many tricks you can put into your article to get people to click on it and that made me really like disheartened when it came to journalism but this is not a podcast about why i left nbc i mean we could make it i think that well it's all relevant you know it is saying? no it like, is it is it's the journey of like why and i'm i want to backtrack too because i know you're you're from sacramento yeah and just to like bring the context of it like you know it's not just the fact of what you do this is i think really huge about like why we do it there's yeah. there's reasons why you know again i fully admit that when I started collaboration, I wanted to just meet famous people. That mm-hmm. was that was the bait. I got baited and I totally ate it. But you know, that was like the the sparkly stuff that I was like, ooh, I could meet, you know. The time was 2009, so it was like I wanted to meet all the ABDC dance crews and I wanted to meet Far East Movement. And like the to me, they were huge deals yeah. because of the impact they were making in my life to feel seen and all that stuff, right? So I totally got baited by that. You know, you get in things for reasons and then yeah. You stay for different reasons. Like I did it. I got to meet the famous people. It was awesome. And I don't take away from that. But to justify all the things that then it required of me to keep working in that and like do the 
you know, and this was volunteer, do that for a number of years, that was a completely different set of reasons. Yeah. It was because I could see the significance it had in, like, opening someone else's eyes to, like, artists that you're like, oh, my God, they're dope. They're from my neighborhood. These yeah. are my friends. Like, I had no idea they're so talented. And then meeting the artists, like, those all change, you know? Um, so I'm very curious as to, like, you started in Sacramento as, like, a young, young Tracy. <laughs> what was the in that made you care about yeah. being, doing journalism? Because out of all the things you could do, you know, out of all the careers that are out there, what made you drawn yeah. to it? Well, I actually, people say, oh, why did you want to be a journalist? Um, airplane I'm let the things. Pass. You know what? <laughs> you just take your moment, airplane. <laughs> I'm not salty at all. <laughs> I actually didn't say the words I want to be a journalist until I finished college. Okay. Yeah. I even majored in journalism. And you majored in journalism. Yeah, but I didn't think I wanted to be a journalist. Got um, it. But I, what I've always loved doing was writing and mm-hmm. storytelling. Um, I think this goes back, this goes back, back in the day when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I have an autoimmune disease called alopecia, which is basically okay. hair loss. And that made me a very introverted kid. So okay. I started losing my hair when I was seven. And I just, uh, the way, like my outlet for it was writing, just journaling, writing, whether it was like in a diary or just even just writing stories. It was mm-hmm. reading, consuming that kind of content. So words really made a difference for me. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to high school, I, I went to a very small high school. It didn't have like a school paper or any sort of publication, but we had, um, I had an English teacher or a writing teacher who really encouraged us to not just like write about other things, but write about ourselves. And I think part of it was I felt very narcissistic doing it. Like, right, like, who wants to hear my story or whatever? Yeah. Um, but writing anything kind of helped me process. And I, I still do that today. Um, so with the catalyst really for me in high school was I did some volunteer work. Um, in Sacramento, there's a place called Loaves and Fishes, which is um, a homeless shelter. And they had a school that was called Mustard Seed. It was a school for homeless children um, or children whose parents were homeless. And... Um, I started volunteering there and I would talk to a lot of the kids and just hearing their stories, which were so radically different than my stories, I just felt really compelled to sort of start writing their stories down. And that was something that, um, you know, I would be writing about them and I would encourage them to write about their own lives, which to them, that would never was a concept to keep a diary because they had other things they needed to worry about. Right. And in the summer, we would do activities with them. Like we took them kayaking, we would go to the zoo, we'd do all these sort of more field trip, you know, experiential type things. And they would start writing. I would write about them. I would write about for class, for things like that. And my teacher at the time, um, she would say like, you should, you should think about this for like a career. And I guess it never fully materialized for me until the idea of journalism became like a major I could pick Yeah, because I wanted to be an English major. And my parents were like, you sure about that? Um, (laughs) English. Yeah. (laughs) Not that they were not supportive. My parents are very, I was very privileged and fortunate that they were like, we will pay for four years of college, but you need to graduated four years. Like, you could do whatever you want, but I will pay for only four years, right? Okay. Um, and I have an older sister. She's a year and a half older than me. She majored in studio art. Oh, God. <laughs> she, she Sorry. Was- <laughs> no, we're just obsessed to your Yeah. Sister. Loved your sister. No, I have studio art friends. And yeah. It's, uh, and that's she nice. was undecided at first because my parents were like, are you sure? And then she finally picked studio art. She ended up with a double major in communications. Wow. But studio art was her thing. She's a very good artist. I'm sure she is. Uh, but then my parents were like, okay, between 
one daughter who is an artist yeah, and one that's who's a writer. That, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, when journalism was a th- what became an option, they were like, oh, do that. Because they were like, oh, that seems like something that, that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they they were okay with it. I don't think they fully understood it. We are a family that loves the news. Like, that's how we learned about America and just the politics on things. We watched the news. And my parents constantly were, like, very into newspapers and things like that. Yeah. But the idea of me being a journalist, they were just like, the newspapers are dying. What are you going to do? Um, they didn't know there were other things. And I went to UC Irvine, which Got had it. a program called Literary Journalism. So it wasn't even, like... Like, news journalism. It was magazine writing. It was long-form nonfiction, which was exactly what I wanted to do. And I didn't think I realized I wanted to do that until I found a program like literary journalism that kind of combines all the things I've loved doing since I was a kid, which is writing not only just about yourself, but about other people in Mm -hmm. a more, like, storytelling format. Right. Um, And then when I finally was near the end of my college experience, I was, you know, managing a school newspaper, I was writing quite a bit. I never did internships, though, outside in, like, a real newsroom, uh-huh. which then my head was like, what if I get to a newsroom and I hate it? Um, I didn't Until I graduated, then I was like, I guess I should pursue this thing. Um, my first internship was at NPR, which was in D.C. And um, <laughs> I've never heard of it. What's that? You and I I've, I've felt the whole time, I mean, talk about imposter syndrome, because I did not have that background of, like, I want to be a journalist and I want to be you know, Christian Amanpour. And like, I don't, I didn't have that background the whole time as I was going through the internship and then getting to NBC the whole, I just felt like, well, I felt like a fraud. Like it's gonna, it's gonna end soon. Like <laughs> someone's going to figure it out. Yeah. Like I'm not qualified to do we're this. We're going to stop this. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very long answer to your question of, I don't think I, even today, like not being at NBC anymore. And people say like, well, what's your next newsroom? In my head, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be a newsroom, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I just, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, what I've always loved, which is writing and storytelling, I think will always exist in yeah. whatever I do next. But I don't think that necessarily means working at a national news organization anymore. Right. Which feels weird to say. But. That's a very honest answer, though. Yeah. And I love hearing that because I feel like we have... I mean, I think for anybody who's out there wondering, and I think most people... I think there's more wondering than certainty. Yeah. Vast majority of the time. And if we're all in that state of wonderment, you know, there's a lot of questions to answer. And I feel like those can be really terrifying. The main, main thing I'm trying to be with everything I'm going through, um, not even, you know, before I even quit collaboration, like I had, I, I think I told you, like I had a whole meltdown yeah. when, when, uh, they were asking me, like, oh, how's it going? And I was just like, well. <laughs> Um, because th- those answers are terrifying. Mm-hmm. They're scary because you're just like, you know, I'm hanging on by a thread of like what, uh, again, and I don't think it's just blanket statement bad for people to say, hey, working for, you know, uh, an accredited, like yeah. award winning newsroom, aspiring to that is not bad. Yeah. I don't think that that's, you know, that's making you somehow a sellout or anything. I think it's cool to have big, big aspirations mm-hmm. and you want to, you know, you want excellence, you want high quality, you want things that people will listen to and that you want impact, right? So you're, of course, you're going to go to like the biggest and the best quote unquote, but like then it becomes the thing. It becomes yeah. the thing that like you attach yourself to and that's, that defines you as your identity. And for me, yeah, like leaving behind the title of executive director of a nonprofit, there was a huge level of prestige with that. Yeah. There was a huge level of like self-importance that I got from it. And like, yeah, the idea of setting that down and then becoming the freelancer for all, all intents and purposes was like absolutely terrifying. 
Oh, just paralyzing. It is the scariest thing to do to yeah. walk into your boss's office after them saying, like, you just got nominated for these things. And, oh, it seems like you guys are doing so great. And, like, all of these wonderful things that people are saying about you because they know about you through social media or whatever. Uh-huh. And to say, I'm actually going to leave. That is <laughs> very terrifying. Because then yeah. you feel like you have given up this opportunity that people would kill for. Right. And you should feel bad about that. Right. Right. And you and I, I think, are cut from a very similar or probably the same exact overthinking cloth. And oh, I don't yeah. think overthinking, again, can be good and bad. Yeah. Some people, I think, are underthinkers. And I'm like, can I think a little bit more? But, like, it can be very, very uh, stressful to, like, constantly be thinking of 80 things that are pro and 80 things that are con. And then just be, like, ping-ponging back and forth between them all the time. Yeah. Because coming to that, whatever your conclusion is, is a very exhausting process. But sometimes it requires that. I think for something like career, you know, I think you can afford to think a little bit about that and why you're doing things. But I also think, like, you know, again, that wonderment phase, it also happens, like, at the very beginning. Like, before pre-internship. Yeah. Even in It happens even when you're choosing the freaking major. I mean, literary journalism, that's very, like, very specific (laughs) major. You know? And then there's other people right now where everybody's kind of even questioning, like, what's the value of of a formalized education? Is it worth the debt right now with... And that goes to bigger infrastructure things of like how much it costs and how we are valuing education in this freaking country. We're talking the United States, of course, because, you know, like it, it's free for some people yeah. in the world. And here you have to like give up your entire life to like get educated. It was beyond me. You have to make those decisions and mm-hmm. you're freaking young and who knows what your family's like socioeconomic status is. Exactly. Yeah. How much, you know, tens of thousands, maybe like hundreds of thousands of dollars they can just like fork over to get you your dream. Yeah. Right? And there's so many different cultures about what a dream entails or, like, what that ought to be. We can go so meta. It's layers (laughs) on layers. And so I'm just saying that not to, like, freak everybody out, but, like, to understand, like, there's a lot that can... Maybe not. we're not even consciously thinking about when these decisions are, like, in our lives, but... Regardless, those constitute the, that's, that's yeah. what's involved in those decisions. Yeah. That's why I think the people who did, do think about it can't, it can easily, it's a slippery slope of just like, oh my God, if I don't make the right choice in this moment, I'm completely screwing myself over for the yeah. next like millennia. I don't know. It feels that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's I overwhelming. think it's a good sort of a transition to talk about choices because. I think when you when you left collaboration, when I left NBC, like these are not things that you decide overnight. It's yeah. not only just a you know for me it was a result of a year or two of thinking, but also from the X amount of years before that. That was like think about all the things that have led you to this point and have given you the opportunity or the privilege to make a decision now yeah. about what it is you want to do for the next X amount of years, and knowing that those choices are not forever, like. Just because you've left collaboration doesn't mean you're like, I hate this org, goodbye, never going to be a part of it right. again. Yeah. I think the same for me as, oh, with journalism. I think that journalists are so important and we need good journalists. Yeah. I don't think me leaving is a reflection of like how crappy the state of journalism is. No. I think it's really hard to be a journalist. I, I don't think that me leaving it means that like nobody should ever do it, you know? For sure. For sure. And that's those are the little statements you like, you make those decisions for yourself. Yeah. And you're like, this is what I need for like my self-care at this particular moment. There's only so much I can do. And that's, that's real. And nobody can make that decision except for you, yeah. you know? And like people can have all sorts of advice on like what you ought and ought not do. But 
who knows your experience except for you? Who knows like yeah. how your dots have been laid out well, and how you're going to connect them? When you make a decision, like what's your well, what's your process? Is it like you sit there and make pro and con lists? Do you talk to like 50 people? Do you talk to like Good their question. family? Because I feel like I even something know. with like as small as you know, where I'm going to go on my next vacation or am I going to quit my (laughs) vacation or am I going to quit this thing that I'm doing? Like, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a different level of like impact that those two things have, Sure, but for these big life decisions, like how do you make that decision? Cause it is not an overnight. 100%. Um, years of thinking, clearly that's kind of like, (laughs) I wasn't expecting, I was like, but I think giving myself time is part of the decision-making process to make sure I, I used to be, and I'm still working on it, but I used to be a really reactionary person. So it's like, it's like you get asked something of like, oh, I need to give somebody, I don't know if this is a woman thing or an Asian thing. Like, I feel like I'm like beholden or obligated to give somebody their answer ASAP, which sometimes made me really nimble and like quick to think. I process a lot of thoughts and then give an answer pretty quickly and I'll just go with it. And in that way, I feel like that's a good skill to have. But on the flip side, I don't feel like I gave myself enough time to think things through Mm. a lot and I'll just go, you know, there's, there's again, pro and con and everything. So I actually didn't do a lot of um, the pros and cons. Yeah. I didn't, I know friends who like sit down and make a list and they'll literally do the line and yeah. they'll write down. And I think that that's a very wonderful, methodical way, you know, to logically lay out. Yeah. What if only things is. were that easy. If only. <laughs> and I, I highly encourage it. I think that's something that I definitely want to take in consideration. I journal every day, which is kind of like, it's yeah. like at least releasing my thoughts, but I kind of would just be like, Honestly, I'm a very emotional person, so I kind of got attuned to, like, trusting, not necessarily my gut, but, like, because, see, sometimes your feelings are really, they're not reliable because they're freaking out usually. My my usual reaction was, like, fear. What Mm -hmm. am I scared of? Then once I started identifying that, I just kind of be like, well, what excites me, you know? Again, it's like the feeling and thought, I don't even know. It's a freaking, it's a battle within myself all the time. Because if I I was like, oh, if this makes me feel good, I would feel great to like make a multi-million dollar film with like amazing artists. And then I'm like, that's so, so like self-pleasuring, like masturbatory. (laughs) Like why? Yeah. Why? Oh, so it's all about you now? Like there's part of me that feels like that's wrong. So I don't know. I actually had a conversation with Nikki's son Um, Because we had this whole exercise in their leadership training that we did about values, like identifying like what matters to me, to me, like having that part, honestly, in my 30s has kind of changed the way I do decision making. Mm. Because now I'm like, I want to do this, but this feels wrong. Why does it feel wrong? okay, it feels wrong because I don't think that that's, like, the most honest way to make money. Like, I feel like I'm trying to do, like, a hack, and I'm not... I I value doing things uh, not the right way, but with integrity. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be that chick that's, like, always finding the shortcut. Because to me, I don't know, it's a Korean thing, but, like, I know a lot of Korean people who do that, and they end up screwing up over a lot of people just because they didn't do their due diligence. I was like, that was something that I value. So it's become, like, a values thing now, but Mm -hmm. before it was purely reactionary. And now I'm trying to, like, figure out how does this impact me, um... In terms of how I feel about myself, the level of stress that I experience from like random decisions that I make, I understand that a lot better now in my 30s. I'm like, this is going to like mess me up. 
for like at least a good week or two, maybe a month, if I make a bad decision, I literally, it messes up my sleep. It messes up my ability to like articulate myself. And I was like, I run a podcast. I need to be able to like function. Yeah. So I've gotten more used to like feeling out this doesn't feel right. And then I'll think about why. I'll talk about it with Kenji. I'll talk about things with like my older brother. He's like a very trusted, you know, mentor. Very fortunate for that. Sometimes my parents, mm-hmm. honestly, I figured that my parents are really helpful in some situations and really not helpful in a lot of others. <laughs> so yeah, I pick and choose. Yeah. And I just feel like I've gotten wiser at like asking questions. Before it was strictly like, oh my God, what do I do? What's gonna like alleviate this problem right now? Yeah. Um, Oh God, credit card, you know, like whatever, you know, whatever that was. Yeah. Um, and it, it didn't involve planning. It didn't involve too much like logical thinking. It was very feelings and reactionary based. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm proud of myself that I, I've like, I'm going to take credit that I think I survived okay. Yeah. Um, I could have a bigger bank account right now. Um, those are things I've learned. What yeah. about you though? Like, are you, you're, you seem, I don't know. To me, you come off as a, and we're talking it as grownups, <laughs> but like, you seem like a lot more, thought out person um i'm glad i come off that way yeah no respect tracy i you know it's even after leaving people are like oh you must feel great and it's like i was feeling great i think the first like five days after i finally left uh-huh. and then the week or two that followed, like it's just been up and down it's been a huge roller coaster like i've definitely hit really hard lows i think the decision leading up to it um like i've said i've always written right so if i don't really know how exactly i feel about something i i have a really good friend who i kind of just like word vomit everything to Uh and she doesn't say for me because we're kind of in that same boat of like we kind of need to write or just process like i think sometimes the hardest thing and I think this comes with also being a woman, is that you are afraid to express your feelings because you don't want to be judged, which I think everyone feels that way. Yeah. But I think it's especially hard for women because you're told your whole life, like, oh, don't get emotional, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Be pleasing and convenient. Exactly. If otherwise, get out of my face. Like, or it's like, process your emotions in this, like, very private way. Yeah. And then you're public facing that you should always be showing face in the quote unquote right way, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I have this friend, um, her name is Kristen, and we just constantly... If we're feeling bad about a situation or angry about something, it's like you just yell at each other and you've got like a safe space, right? You've created a safe space now where like, I know she won't judge me if I say something like completely irrational that in my head I know is the most irrational thing I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's not going to be like giving me advice because sometimes you don't necessarily word vomit for advice. You do it just to get it out of your system. And I think that both writing and then writing to someone has helped with that because it's like you share the burden at the same time to have a community or have someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has helped me a lot kind of sort out the jumble of things in my head. Cause I think we're similar in um, always being on, right. You're always <laughs> thinking about like, I live and die by to do lists and sometimes that's great. And sometimes it's terrible when your list gets massive. Right? Oh, cause there's no end to it. Yeah. Because you're always going to be adding things. There's always going to be on your list, something that doesn't have a deadline, but it's something you always need to be working on. Yes. Right. Yes. Everything constantly feels like I can't stop working or I'll, this won't get done. Like, there's consequences to everything that you don't do, essentially. For sure. And work was very much like that for me. I'm not going to go into, like, every reason why I left, because that's, like, that's tea for later. (laughs) (laughs) We will get to that tea. Yeah, I just sort of feel like when it came to at least um, uh, NBC, my job, the year leading up to it, 
like a series of things that happened and that like my best friend had one of my best friends had passed away unexpectedly mm-hmm. my mom got diagnosed with cancer and it was like one thing after another. this all happened in the span of and then I turned and it was my birthday I was turning 29 so it was like that nearing the end of your 20s that everyone, a very tough year yeah and everyone is just kind of like asking you oh like you're about to turn 30 what's next and yeah I'm like let me have 29 first um it was a series of those kinds of things happening all in the span of like a month Mm-hmm. And that just kind of, I don't want to say it broke me because it did not, but it definitely knocks you down quite a bit. It makes you feel like you need to reevaluate everything. Yeah. And I just kind of felt like I needed to slow down and then not feel bad for saying I needed to step back. Right. And I'm, yeah. I'm again, I'm lucky that at, uh, at NBC, I had a deputy editor and we both balanced the workload fairly well because we both had stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but I think the decision for me, it took a long time to get there, but it was so many of those things that like, I'm not going to be like the universe sent me a message by all these terrible things happening. Right? I'm that person. <laughs> but I do think that like, for me, I, once I was able to process how I felt by writing everything down, um, and then talking it out with people like, Everything just kind of added up to the point where I was like, I can't justify the reasons. I was making excuses for why I was staying in Word, yeah. my job. Yeah, right? It was real. like, well, you need the health insurance. You need the income. Um, it's a great brand to be behind. And then also at the same time, the thing that I, to this day, will admit I still feel guilty about is what I feel is leaving behind a bunch of freelancers. Yeah. It's feeling like I've let down a community of people oh, who had girl. invested in what you're doing. And I know you yeah. 100% can relate to it. Mm-hmm. No matter how far removed I think I will be from NBC, even though I've, you know, spoken almost directly to a lot of our creators, a lot of our freelancers who have been like, no, like you can't stay in this job forever and have been understanding, I still will never shake that feeling of like, well, I've just let down 40 people yeah. who were contributing yeah. and a community of people. Not that the site isn't still there, because it is. Yeah. But at the same time, I knew I couldn't, like, I can't be the only person that can run this site 100% and see it's a mix of like responsibility and then humility because it's recognizing like I'm not the I'm not single handedly steering this entire ship but like you have to accept responsibility for the significance of what it is that you do and that's tough because some people get really narcissistic about that or they get very ego driven or they get like completely like into that false not false but like overly modest mentality of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not significant enough to matter. That's why it's like such a weird balance yeah. to recognize who and what you are, how you, va- how you are valued. That's why I like, I think for me, this podcast has become kind of like this, this, this breeding ground for conversations on self-worth because yeah. a lot of everything comes down to that. Like, how do you do, view yourself? Do you look, view yourself with like some level of value in this world? Because if you do, I feel like that's the, to me, what I'm recognizing, I'm observing too, is like, that's the best place to operate out of. Yeah. If you operate out of place of like, I, I matter. I'm not everything, but I'm not nothing. Yeah. You know, like having a good sense of self is the utmost. Cause when you don't have that, then you get Donald Trump. You know what I mean? So like that that's like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's just a little crazy. So I mean that's that's an important thing to recognize. And I feel like it's also related to the other thing that we were talking about, which is like how to connect with other people and in terms of like building a career. Yeah. Starting from like education to internship to like first job, however many years you might stay at a place or many months, days, like choices. That's up to you. Yeah. How building a career is it seems so weird in this particular generation because we are a generation of freelancers or multi-hyphenates or people that don't seem to stay at one job more than like what's the max like five years I feel like the average is like three right yeah I mean these days if you tell someone you've been like 
when I say I was at NBC for eight years, they're like, whoa, that's, that's a lifetime. That's a huge yeah. <laughs> deal. Like, yeah, how many, uh, it's like, how many, how many festivals? That's eight festival <laughs> <laughs> circuits. But, you know, and so I've gotten a lot of different people um, of Gen Z, you mm-hmm. know, or just like even my peers, a lot of, everyone's in flux and everyone's kind of wondering like, oh, how did you choose this, this route? Like, yeah. how did you know when it was right to leave you know, this thing that you really care about with collaboration and, and go into becoming an artist, especially when I was thinking about like, oh, I do want to eventually get married, have kids, like becoming a freelancer at that time when you're like, yeah, I'm thinking all about stability. I'm going to go like drop my salary. And it goes against everything you were raised. Yeah. So everyone's trying to understand that logic. And for me, I was just like, look, I need to start sometime and I can't, I don't want to start when I'm 50. So that was my reasoning behind that. And, um, having, a lot of faith in myself like I can figure it out and if need be I will figure I gave myself a deadline time is really important time is huge for me to give myself like you got six months dude and if you start getting some traction in that you better work your butt off and if you don't get some traction in six months you got to find a full-time job like that was it for me Mm -hmm. it was making a deal with myself you have the freedom Mm -hmm. for this but you got it within this amount of time go you know go may the force be with you (laughs) but like In terms of building that career, like figuring out what the steps are in between, like how does one go from being the head of, you know, NBC Asian America to like figuring out like, am I a journalist? Am I going to continue? And that all time favorite question of like, how does one network? Like, how do you, how do you connect with other people? That's like such, all these questions are super relevant. I feel like, and they're like hard for us to sum up in an hour or anything. But, like, how do you approach that? How how have you learned to navigate that in, like, NPR to NBC and, like, just being in this particular industry yeah. where it is so relationship-based? I used to say, oh, I hate the idea of networking, right? And I say that as somebody who networked a lot. Yeah. Because I think there's such a weird... Um, uh, there's such a weird association with the word networking because it feels slimy, you know? Yeah, when I agree. you say to someone, like, I'm going to go to network, yeah. you know? Like, people yeah. are like... What does that even mean? You exchange business cards with someone in the first five minutes you meet them. Yeah. And then you then you figure out if they're worth keeping in touch with. Yeah. Because, like, networking always felt like that thing of, like, it's like speed dating. Like, you got to impress someone right away or else you'll never speak to you them You have 90 again. seconds. Exactly. Go. <laughs> and I, I will say I dislike that idea of networking. But I've learned to not hate the concept of networking as a whole. Because mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, networking is just connecting with people. Yeah. Right? And... You don't have to be best friends with the 20 people you meet at a conference, but there is literally no harm in, like, what's nice is you said this, you know, we're such a connected kind of a generation. Mm-hmm. What's the harm in keeping a, an awareness of the folks that you meet on a day-to-day basis right. at a convention, at a conference, at a film festival or whatever? Yeah. Like, I think for me, I've... I'm definitely uh, less interested in the people who only talk to you when they're on a high or when you're on a high, right? Yeah. And I've noticed that a lot. They come out, man. Yeah. And then once you are not in that place, like, like I'll I'll tell the story. For instance, I was uh, recently met someone who tried to pitch me something. Mm -hmm. And this was after I left at BC. And I tried to stop her before she started because I didn't want this to be an awkward encounter. (laughs) And then the second I said, you know what, I'm actually not with NBC anymore, and I started to tell her how she could still pitch to NBC, I mean, it was like a complete 180. She was just like, okay, bye, and then walked away. And I felt very, like, 
oh, like that's it was funny at the moment. And then later on, I was like, wow, that, that's awful. That makes me feel really bad because now it's just like, well, what if I was still interested in what you were doing? Yeah. I guess for me, if people it makes ask you me, really feel that I want to go back and slap that girl. I know. <laughs> I felt very like, well, maybe she was just like, I don't know. Yeah. I I think that my philosophy to networking these days is like, I don't want to just ask someone what they're working on because mm-hmm. As someone who's now not currently working on something yeah. like that, I could say I'm working on this article for blah, 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 or whatever. Like, I don't know. I just want to get to know what people's like work philosophies are or what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. I try to rethink how I talk to people when I first meet them. So now if the context is the Asian American Journalist Association, yeah, you're there for a very specific reason. But if it's literally like you've gone to a film festival or you've gone to um, a community event, mm-hmm. like meeting people, you don't have to lead with like what you're associated with. And I try not to like, even uh, over the last year or so, rather than being like, hi, I'm Tracy from NBC. Yeah. You know, like I try not to lead that way. Like I'm a journalist, I'm a writer, not that I'm lying, but I think that once you put these labels on who you are as a artist or creator, yeah. it, becomes either a competition with the person you're networking with, or you've now put a label on your head of like, I'm valuable to this degree. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that the best networking comes from people outside of those types of circles. For sure. Like I think about the people that I still am connected with from just the X amount of years I've worked, um, in newsrooms. I've had so many friends who've left the company NBC. Um, before that I was technically with MSNBC, who I still am connected with, whether it's just like we like each other's stuff on Instagram or, you know, I had like a half hour phone call the other day with a former colleague who quit the company five years ago. Yeah. And it was still like, we still felt like we could chat just like we were sitting in the newsroom, you know, back in the day. So like, and she's doing amazing things now. So I, and when she first left, I think she also had that same thought. I think a lot of people say this, like now that I am not this thing that I identified myself as this company that I worked for, like, then no one's going to want to talk to me. See, that's such a sucky, like... Yeah, and I just I, think we should not network like that. Like, don't network with people based on, you know, who who they work for uh-huh. or, like, what, what production company they can get you into. Right, like, right, I don't right. know. I just feel like networking and building relationships takes a lot of time. Right. And I don't think that you're going to strike gold every single time. So, right. yeah, be careful how you waste your time. I think it's like managing your expectations, right? Yeah. And, and I actually had a recent conversation with somebody that I've gotten to know over the last year, and he was, like, he's, you know, currently looking for a new job, so called me to ask me for some advice, and I was happy to give that. Um, I was like, I don't know what, you're, we're not in the same industry, but whatever, like, meta thing that I can like listen to what you're going through and give you advice on sure um but he was also interested like he's in a completely different industry very like corporate america industry but he's like you know if all else fails i kind of really want to like pursue like media stuff and doing xyz and i was like oh that's really really cool um and then the way i've heard the way he mentioned it and the way i've heard a lot of other people again being around collaboration where like i'm specifically invite i created a conference i created empower so that we want to invite people to enter into this industry who are people of color from different backgrounds um but really kind of accentuating like oh i'll get connected with this person and this person this person and then for me my message when i hear that it is valuable to get connected right the network is important Mm -hmm. it does matter that if you do know somebody yeah you can maybe like bypass you can be a little bit more efficient in like bypass 
um, communication that you don't have to go through assistance or like cold calling yeah. people. You can go directly to the person like, hey, can I get a meeting with you and like pitch something? Yeah, you might get that. But at the end of the day, once you get in there and you want to be able to get the job, you be, you have to be able to do the job. Yeah. So for me, um, like in terms of the network thing, just like the networking is the networking, isn't it? That, that is a thing and it's a skill. But on the other side, if you don't have something to offer, <laughs> yeah, you're not good at what you're trying to do or, or get, what's the point? Yeah. So I'm just prefacing, like, my opinion on networking is, like, have substance behind it. You know, if, you, if you're looking at the networking part as the first thing, I think that's backwards. I yeah. think being good and having something of value under your belt that you can, like, literally walk out the door and offer to somebody – is the first and foremost thing because what is the point of getting a good connection if you can't deliver? Yeah. It, that literally shoots you in the foot and it makes you the person that is really thirsty for a connection but mm. doesn't have the goods. Yeah. And then that's that might you first impressions matter. You might only get that one shot and it's yeah. just like, ooh, premature. You know, yeah. so that that takes self-awareness. So I'm just putting that out there because you know, in this particular culture, I think it is very generational, the social media, the DMing and all this stuff. Hey, listen to my album. Hey, follow me. Why? Why mm-hmm. should I follow you? Genuinely. I, I don't have a ton of followers, but like why? It's kind of like, think about like, why should we pay attention? Yeah. You know, a Well, little it goes bit. back to what we were talking about influencers before, right? The numbers. So would I want to connect with the people with millions and millions of followers? Sure. But also if I'm collaborating with someone or I'm inviting someone to something, it's more valuable for someone who might have a quote unquote smaller following Mm -hmm. to post it to their highly engaged followers versus someone who has millions of followers who maybe they're, you could see on their like numbers, they don't have millions of people liking their stuff every day. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think there's a balance that we shouldn't just rely on like the big names, but also at the same time, what you're saying about having something to offer. It's like not just showing up to the party. It's like being present. It's about knowing how to engage. Yeah. Um, and also like, you know, I just don't think that it's really that helpful to network with people when you want something out of them and yeah. then never speak to them again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And this is where the, I think the whole like, again, I don't want to even like brush it aside as like social awkwardness. I get it. Like, I, you know, I have grown to be somebody that's really comfortable talking to anybody but I when I was younger and I still have that in me I'm so very I can be very shy yeah I feel uncomfortable and intimidated by you put me in a room with like Meryl Streep I'm not gonna just walk up to her and be like what's up Meryl I I would love to be that person actually no I don't um but you know I want to be able to be comfortable enough in myself that I could have the guts to do that yeah but like you know, I'm, I can be in rooms with people that are way bigger deal than I am. And I'm like, why the hell would anyone talk to me? Yeah. And what do I have to say or offer? And you do feel like so small and like, what can I even say? How do I even start this conversation? So I understand. I'm like, everybody feels that way. And so I feel like it's not, I agree exactly with what you said about the not going in, expecting to get something out of them. Because yeah. um, to me, attitude matters a lot. Yeah. Attitude it's like people can feel it. You don't have to be some like human psychology expert to feel when someone's being fake to you. Mm -hmm. And when they feel like they're trying to get something out of you, are they looking you in the eye? We, I'm sure even I've been in rooms where like, they're like saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're literally looking around the room and I'm talking, I'm trying to have a conversation with them. Like, Oh, I saw, and I'll use Instagram. I'll use, I'll do the small talk thing because I'm like trying to find a point of connection. It's like, hey, so and so, like, oh my God, I saw on your Instagram, you got a new dog, so cute. Like, it's amazing. 
amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, you can't see me right now, but they're like <laughs> looking around the room yeah. and they're like completely not listening to what I said. Yeah. I've had people answer my question with a, oh my God, yeah. And I asked them a question. I was yeah. like, so what are you doing for 4th of July? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, you weren't listening, but yeah. it's not worth calling out. No, okay. I, I think that, and I, I get, you know, people like have, feel like they have to hustle, right? Yeah. Just because this is generation we're in. There's so much content out there. There's people doing all this amazing shit. But, like, at the end of the day, it's just, like, I don't know. Maybe it's, I always say, like, well, now that I'm 30 and people are like, you literally just turned 34 months ago. Please calm down. But for me, I'm like, now that I'm 30, I just don't have the energy anymore to put forth into two-hour-long coffee meetings that I never hear from that person again. Yeah. And, like, I've had so many, I used to do a ton of informationals with people who, you know, once I told them, well, I can't get you an internship at NBC, then I would never hear from them again, right? So it's yeah. like, you learn to suss out the people who are only talking to you for one reason only, and, like, I don't know, like you said, unless you've got this amazing idea you know they can't pass up, like, don't lead with, here's what I can do for you, right? Like, yeah. that's just... I'm just not interested in that anymore. I mean, well, okay, so then if that's the case, well, if if that I take that girl, can we like not <laughs> hating on her? I, I I feel for you. You're young. You're figuring it out. What would have been a good approach? I think it would have been like, hey, well, first off, she should have let me actually say hand because I was trying to jump in. Yeah, I mean, she was like, hi, I'm so and so, and I know that you, you know, run NBC. I've got this idea for you, oh, and girl, I didn't, no. I didn't even get a second to be like, hi, how are you? You know, are you enjoying this thing that we're at? You weren't I, even at like a networking event. You no. were at a like a event as a as a as yeah. a civilian, as a like yeah. a, there to support a friend or like exactly yeah experience I, art. It was it was this yeah it was such a I floated out of my body for a second wanted to be like <laughs> stop what's happening. I <laughs> I think the better approach would yeah to have let me you know actually actually pretend like it was a real conversation. Yeah, there you but go. Really, just to say, even when I said, you know, I'm not with NBC anymore, to just say, like, oh, first off, ask me what I'm doing, because yeah. multiple things. First off, I have to, I'll call it, tell people, I didn't get fired. I did leave on my own. Like, I, maybe I could still possibly help you. Yeah. Or say, oh, I think this would be great fit for NBC. Do you know who I could still pitch to? Or, I don't know, are you working on something right now? Is there a way that what I'm working on might be a good fit for you? Mm-hmm. Um, or even just... Depending on what she was trying to accomplish with this conversation, even ask with like, would you have time to sit down for coffee and maybe I can get your advice on how to how to pitch this in a better way? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. even if I said no, like at least we, she had more of a conversation with me than me saying I'm not with NBC and then her going oh and then walking away. Exactly. Because then I felt very, that that just made me feel like, well, why would anyone want to talk to me anymore? Like, yeah. Yeah, I just that would have been my advice for that situation. I don't know this girl. I don't really want to talk to her. But I, I mean, I want to be gracious and be like, you're learning. But that yeah. that leaves a very um, bad taste in anybody's mouth. Yeah, be like, oh, you, you can't do anything for me. Bye. Yeah. But you know, like that's that's what we're talking about. It's to learn. I've definitely i I feel really bad because I know that there have been moments where I have asked. Um, very high profile people to sit down for coffee and and I've wanted to just like get to know them and get to know their careers I didn't know how to follow up with that yeah. I sent a thank you also cyber like we're like scattering our, our rules of engagement here but I think fo- sending a follow up thank you is always really important yeah just showing graciousness at every point um, that nobody owes you anything yeah they don't owe you time just because they are older and they you know I do believe people it'd be great to like pass the baton and to teach the next generation I believe in that but also everybody's really busy and they don't know you from like mm-hmm. a random person on the street it it, it 
it behooves you to like engage a little bit and and put in some like hey thanks so much like do you have five minutes to talk am I interrupting something yeah. I've done that too I'm like I'll really pay attention to like is that person in a place to like speak yeah because I've I've seen people run up to people when someone's trying to like they're clearly like having an important text or like on a phone call to like don't interrupt people when they're yeah. in the middle of something Stuff, that's big rule don't so, interrupt them if they look like they are yeah. engaged in something else, right you know? and like you might need to wait like to figure out oh for a time oh they're free now I can go up to them and like also have a reason like go up to people because you know like sometimes you're gonna be in a networking event where like there's just random people and you're just like oh hi how are you and there's kind of like very low stakes yeah but if there's somebody that you really want to talk to you might have to wait you might have to like honestly say oh this wasn't the event but like find their website like literally google like find do they have an informational email and like send it like hi yeah i saw you at like su- such and such event congratulations like bring something relevant to the table like congratulations on launching your podcast like it's amazing like show that you have interest i feel like yeah it says so much yeah it just shows that you're a person that cares and that is is engaged and like yeah does their homework a little bit yeah don't be a clout chaser that's what i always tell people like i know that's hard it's easier said than done because you do get wrapped up sometimes if you're at a conference or convention or community event and you're meeting people with big followings and making a big impact and stuff like that but if you're only trying to network with people because of what they can do for you like yeah that might totally fail you at the end of the day yeah then like what are you actually in the moments in between when you're even working on stuff like yeah i think Forming a community is is more key, especially yeah. in a creative field, yeah. um, than trying to constantly just, like, build your numbers. For sure. And I think that that applies to, like, other professions. I feel like yeah. having some, like, having a baseline sincerity um, and just being an honest, real person, I think goes a long way. That whole attitude of, like, what can you do for me? Yeah. I think that goes everywhere, like, finance and hospitality. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have to be crappy to each other. The purpose of networking is to, like, to be completely lame about it. It's to collaborate. Yeah. You know, you want to be like, hey, I think I could be a value to you and you could be a value to me. Mm-hmm. You probably need people to help build your company. I have just graduated with a degree in blah, blah, blah. I would love to, like, work with you yeah. on making your product better. That's better than, like, um, I need a job. Yeah. Are you hiring? Like, that's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you want because that person, like, if you're going to connect with them, it's literally, do I want to have a conversation with them past this conversation? That's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> do we, do I want to stay in contact with and this And that's person? why I want to think about networking more than just, like, a one-time thing. It's yeah. like, networking, it's literally building a network of people. It's a starting point. Yeah. For a long, for hopefully the long term. Yeah. So what are our takeaways? Because I feel like we, we covered a lot of really good ground. No, I, I, oh, I want, you should, you should write a blog post about this because I think this will get a lot <laughs> yeah. of clicks. Because I think it's really down to like, uh, seems like uh, timing is important. Yes. Um, questions. Good questions. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? Hi, yeah. how are you? <laughs> yeah, starting starting with that basic, um, what, what, what's your life like? Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. I don't know. Sometimes I find, maybe this is just because I've had a lot of time over the past X amount, I mean, month since I've left a full-time job. It's like, I've just been thinking about the ways I relate to and connect to people. And I'm so exhausted by like social media, which I know sounds like everyone says that, like I'm going to disconnect from social media for now, but I am very exhausted by that because it's like, 
at these moments when I had this moment a couple weeks ago, not even like like last week, this is not that long ago, (laughs) where I really hit like a really low point. And I was just Mm. feeling the worst I think I felt in a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. And the people who pulled me out of it were people that I've like only just met for like a year or two. And it was really just sitting down and getting coffee or boba and talking about TV shows and, you know, people giving me recommendations and just sitting and chatting. Like I went to Korean barbecue one night with a friend because I was just feeling so awful. And I just let her know, I was like, I'm not feeling that great. Like I haven't eaten in a couple of days. Like I was just feeling awful. Yeah. And I just listened to her talk about K-pop and things that she loved. Like she just told me about things that she was doing and like, that two-hour dinner we had made me feel better than, like, I than I expected to feel. And I just feel mm. like that, those kind of connections to me, like, are just so powerful and impactful. And, like, I've just really, this is going to sound cheesy, but, like, really actually understanding the importance and definition of self-care that's yeah. not, like, buy a nice candle, take a bath, you know? Like, yeah, those yeah, kinds yeah. of things to me feel so much better than like the go 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 pace I was on before for sure that's so good yeah. and honestly like taking that time not it's not just self-care but like building an actual connection with somebody yeah that like whether it's momentary in an event or like a two-hour dinner I think that they're incredibly valuable and I think they're achievable yeah like I don't feel like just because you're in a in a professional setting that it means that you can therefore not become personally yeah. connected with somebody mm-hmm. I think that that's really what I think people are striving for. I think what people want, if you're going in wanting a specific outcome, you may get grossly disappointed because you're not going to get it yeah. most likely. So in, 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 instead of that, like, what are we, what are we all trying to get? It's yeah. like connection. And, uh, whether that's a connection for like a friendship or a professional relationship or both or like, you know, a cool project at the end of the day or, or, or you know, a raise, I think it, it affords that like, if we're going for the connection that yields the best results. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Whether for yourself, for your career, what have you, you know, asking sincere questions, like being really genuine attitude towards like, Oh, I really want to get to know what you do. Mm-hmm. And that, that shows up in like how you ask questions, how you engage with somebody. Yeah. Do you like pay attention to what they're saying? Are you listening? Are you like actively listening? Yeah. Um, do you follow up with them? Do you thank your friend? Like, thanks so much for like taking me out for a dinner or like, that was really nice to just take a break from my life. It meant a lot. Like those things go such a long way. So I don't know. I feel like we're, we're in this, in the process of like sorting through so many different things, like the imposter syndrome or like the, you know, the trajectory of the rest of our lives and the career, why we went through the education that we did or how to, how to advance our career too. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems like the concluding thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, like, really connecting. Yeah. Like, how to actually connect. Yeah. Well, I mean, take you and me, for example. Like, we met through you being at Collaboration and meeting at NBC. Yeah. Um, one of my first stories I wrote for NBC was about Collab New York. Yeah. At their showcase. And, like, you know, that's how you get to know about people. But that doesn't mean that the connection ends there once the article is published. Yeah. Like, it is about building over time. Yeah. Um, and also just being honest with, like, I don't, I'm not saying this, like, walk around and tell every single person every deep, dark secret that you have in your life. Yes. But, like, I do think that there's something valuable about, like, connecting beyond just the immediate, like, here's the thing I've worked on. The job. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which is why, okay, before we wrap, because I, I do, ugh, I could, we could, we have to have part two. Um, <laughs> what is your take on, like, small talk? On small talk. Because that's a big part of the whole connection and networking thing and, like, building relationships and stuff. So I used to be like, oh, small talk. The same way I was like, oh, networking. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I don't 
drive. I do, I have a license, but I don't have a car. And uh-huh. living in LA, like, you end up on public transit a lot. I try to take the bus or I walk. Or more often than not, especially, like, in farther distances, whatever, I will be in ride shares. Mm-hmm. Um, that has helped me enjoy small talk more. Why? Nice. Because it's like, I don't want to, I don't like treating Lyft and Uber drivers like they're just a service to me. Um, uh-huh. Sometimes if they don't want to talk or they're, they don't seem like you can tell by the the you know environment you walk into, right? More often than not, in LA, different than New York, where you are sitting in the back of a car a lot, you'll be sitting next to your driver. Or if you're in a carpool situation, like an Uber pool or whatever, there's other people in the car. Yeah. Um. And I've just found some. I'm not going to see these people ever again, probably. But like sometimes the conversation can be really fun. And usually, I mean, I've been in LA now for two years. I still have the same conversations that begin in a car with, "How long have you been driving for Uber or Lyft?" I always or, ask that. Yeah. Oh, do you live in this area? Have you been driving all day? Like those are always my like go to small talk. Or hey, the weather is you know weather and traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To talk about right. But then I've had, like, I've gotten food recommendations from people. I've had people tell me, like, their immigration stories. I've like. heard so many cool, like, origin yeah. stories. Yeah. At one t- at one point, I was in a lift line. We were going to pick this girl up from work. She worked in a nail salon. And when we picked her up, I was like, when she got in the car, the, the driver was like, how's your day? And she said, I've actually had a really bad day because this customer was really rude to me. And then, like, we gave her a pep talk. You know, like... To me, it kind of felt like that. This is, sounds like an ad for Rideshare. This is not. <laughs> Sponsored by exactly. this. But, like, that has helped me like small talk more because it's made me understand that it gets you to a to a deeper conversation. Or yeah. maybe sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I don't want to expect that small talk will always, t- you know, get me a life story or something. But, like, sometimes it's nice to fill the silence and not feel like you're wasting your time. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I just I, – I like small talk. I actually have – Totally changed my stance. I love it these days. You're I converted, like Tracy. I am converted. <laughs> now, I think there is, like, levels to how great small talk can be. But like, I agree. I think that every everyone should find their comfort zone when it comes to small talk. And, mm-hmm. like, maybe it's the journalist in me. I always have, like, a few questions in my head that I'm like, I'm going to start this conversation with these things. I love say, that, so. though. I think that's brilliant because I think that's the the part of the connection. Even, okay, it's even with, like, dating. This is, like, the yeah. whole one-off. But, like, having curiosity – yeah. You know, like having curiosity about like there's so many layers to every person in this entire universe. And that's there's like a word in that new dictionary word. There's like, oh, that every person is as fully fledged a human as you are. Yeah. They all have as many thoughts and feelings and they have a whole backstory that you don't know. So I feel like walking around kind of I've I've shifted to that. I stopped treating it as like an annoyance because yeah. I was so pleasantly surprised once I would ask a question. I'd be like, oh, like my go to question is like uh, and Kenji taught me this like but before I'd be like, where are you from? Are you from wherever we're at we're mm-hmm. in new york we're like oh are you from new york and then that would that's a total easy way to like get into the thing and then when it's networking stuff if somebody's coming up to me but they've like said oh hey it's great that you're with collaboration they yeah. knew that or like they paid attention or read my bio in an event like yeah. you know i've hosted events and they like my little bios in there and they read that it's nice that they have something to like substantiate a conversation versus like hey yeah and then you the person like has to do all the work you know you want you're offering something and yeah. i was like this is so nice and you get to know somebody mm-hmm. so like i've been pleasantly surprised so many times where i'm like i didn't know you're from blah 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 and it has <laughs> the most beautiful lake i need to go there like yeah. I, you know you have some curiosity i think it takes you really far and it drives that whole like connection thing so i'm glad that you're converted i yeah. am too good <laughs> i too was once not a believer it used to bug the crap out 
to me. Same. Because it felt so superficial and it mm-hmm. felt very like blah, blah. But I think it it goes a lot to say like the person participating in it, it, it is on you. Like what's your attitude on it? If you think that it's stupid, it'll come off stupid. Exactly. If you think it's a waste of time, it will be a waste of time. If you're asking the questions because you think you you need to go through the motions yeah, yeah, yeah. of asking those questions. Hi, how are you? What are you? Like, yeah. like, ask the question and then take genuine interest in the answer. Yeah. Mean it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mean it. Exactly. It'll take you far. Tracy, I love you so much. Oh, I love you. I'm so glad. And I'm really grateful that we our paths crossed in the way that it did. And honestly, it did take years to... And it's like another... Th- we have so many gems in this. Just <laughs> say it. We're like brilliant. But um, I think one of the other things that I would advise, like give things time. You know, like just because the initial conversation yeah. might be very short or like not as much substance as you had hoped. Yeah. Maybe it's just an introduction. Like, hey, like I'm new to the area. I'm a new actor. Maybe that's the only thing you will impart in that yeah. conversation. And and you can give yourself a pat on the back because maybe you're, like, super introverted and that took a lot out of you. Like, that's important. Like, mm-hmm. celebrate the wins. And don't crap on yourself that it didn't go further than that. Yeah. Because it really – everything takes time, you yeah. know? And maybe the next time you run into someone or, like, reach out to them again say, hey – if it's with sincerity, I think, like, it could have been years, and you'd be like, hey, you know what? Like, this is Minji from that one event. It was really nice. I was so grateful that you took time to talk to me. I'm actually working on something really exciting right now. Yeah. Do you have, like, five minutes for a call? And people have gotten so many, like, from all the people I've asked, mm-hmm. they've gotten a lot of yeses. Sometimes yeah. you get a no because people are just really, really busy. Yeah. Or they're not in the industry or they're out of the country, whatever. They're going through a divorce. Who knows? <laughs> They'll get a no, but I've heard a lot more yeses. Oh, I mean, I've had people pitch to me at NBC who I said no to for two or three times, and then the fourth pitch, I was like, yeah, actually, that's great. And so, I mean, it's—I feel like we're going to keep dragging this out, but I do feel like—and this is like a teaser for a a future conversation, but— Having patience and understanding how to pitch yourself, I think, are just things that come with maturity experience, but also connecting with the people who are also going to remind you that, like, to have patience— to work on what you're, you know, work on the pitch and yeah, persistence, but yes. knowing when not to be annoyed. I don't know. It's just, there are, all, there are a lot of lessons take away as you connect with people. Work on your self-awareness. Yes. <laughs> work, work on your emotional intelligence. Yes. Be real with yourself. Be honest with the person you're talking to and may the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs> like go forth and prosper. I really want people to do well. I'm like, know that yeah. there's really awesome people that are out there and they have a lot to offer and they're just waiting for that connection. Yeah. And they're asking themselves tough questions and like reevaluating their whole life right now, like much as you and I are. Oh, I'm constantly reevaluating my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm also just like, I, I want to take a second to say like, I believe in all of you. I think people have what it takes and we're all growing and it's super uncomfortable and mad awkward, yeah. but like, that's the work. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And also, Tracy, I'm like really excited for whatever it is that you do. I know that like you're still in like, what's next? But I think, you know, given our conversations, I think, you know, the future is bright and those, those blank spaces get answered. You know, I think so, yeah. you're going to answer those. You're going to answer your own questions. <laughs> <laughs> Fill out my own questionnaire. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Work, work, work in progress. Work yeah. in progress. We'll have an update in the near future and see what's up. <laughs> Um, where can people find you? Where can people know more about your work? Because you write, yeah. you you know, you have your whole beautiful career ahead for you. I uh, well, all of my social media, literally anywhere, it's just Tracy G Lee, uh, Tracy with an I. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, my parents, for not thinking about autocorrect in the future. Because my nice. phone for a while, for about a year and a half, still autocorrected my name. It is Tracy with an I. Tracy with an I. G Lee. It's all social media. Uh, it's also my website, and I also have a blog, which. Um, 
I, I hate promoting it sometimes because it's just a mess. It's called ctracywright.com. Uh-huh. I love it. Um, and that's really where I word vomit a lot of my thoughts. I will sometimes publish things and delete them um, for, for random reasons. But that's just kind of, um, and I actually encourage everyone to do this. To blog without feeling like you need to promote it, because I don't link my I don't link my blog in many places anymore, because I don't I'm learning how to not care about an audience. That's awesome. Um, you're at the end of the day sometimes writing just for yourself, and a lot of what I would write on my blog has turned into personal essays later that I can actually sell and publish. But for the most part, I think blogging is a great way to feel like, well, I'm on a computer already, just scrolling through Facebook. Maybe I can be more productive. Yeah, <laughs> and blog. Um, and yeah, not worry about if it's you're monetizing it, if you're getting clicks or anything like that. Amen. Right? Another yeah. gem for as we head out exactly. of the podcast. Yeah. Do it for you because if you don't like it, then why would anybody else? Exactly. Honestly, if coming from authenticity, man. I I swear to God, like again, numbers and all that stuff, clickbait. If it's real, people I think gravitate towards it. I agree. Just believe in it. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. You're wonderful. And um, please go check out her blog and, and just keep an eye out for this woman because, you know, she moving and shaking, y'all. <laughs> okay? This is a transition period, but, you know, we we will see the greatness. Um, and you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. And if you enjoy this podcast, please, um, you know, there's a lot of people in different places in their careers and lives. If you found that it was valuable, think that it could be helpful for a friend, please share it because um, we want to spread the knowledge and spread the wealth and drive conversations. That is the goal. Uh, and thank you to Martin Yue, my producer and audio engineer. Thank you to Aquafina for use of her song, Yellow Ranger. You the bomb. Go check out The Farewell because it's out this month. It's July, baby. Shout out to Lulu Wong because she's an amazing writer, director um, who has her own story. Hopefully, I'll have her on this podcast one day. But uh, yeah, the farewells out this month. It's it's an amazing time to be alive, people. I know it's stressful and I know it's <laughs> summer, but keep the faith alive, okay? And uh, I'm also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American storytellers and podcasters. I've had so much fun. Uh, this is a three-year, oh no, two-year marker for me. Oh, so yay, yay to to keeping things going. I thought I was going to do like five episodes, and we're past like seventy-five now, which is incredible. So, um, yeah, keep on keeping on, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. I got this all up on my LinkedIn. Proficient in spitting, turning red when I'm drinking. Emancipating pussy like I was Dave Lincoln. Squirting out that Kool-Aid till all that ratchet sink sick Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.